welcome everyone to the 48th episode of the New Gen Mindset podcast. I'm Dan Cozell here with Nick Tartaglia. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? It's been a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, a lot has happened in the two weeks. I know. We, we, we got to be honest. And I know that people who have been listening to us, um, we apologize. There's been a lot of stuff happening. And mm. uh, to be fair, um, Nick and I were pretty gassed out one week. So um, breaks are necessary. And, you know, I've started to realize no matter how hard you grind, rest is probably the most important thing right now. Um, it is, we're entering the end of spring, which is great. Um, summer's just around the corner. Um, it's getting nice and warm outside. So there's a yeah, lot of stuff Yeah, happening. for sure. Honestly, it's a nice difference and it feels good to appreciate some sun, to be able to be outside. And, um, let's see how long this lasts though. <laughs> I know. Because, you know, everyone's euphoric right now. Everyone's all hyped up on energy, which is great. But there's a parallel there between what's happening with the market, what's happening mm -hmm. in the economy, what's happening, I guess, in politics at this point. There's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff happening that's kind of just being brushed under the radar. Uh, and you and I, I think, do a pretty good job of trying to get our sources of information from something that isn't mainstream mm. because mainstream is pushing all kinds of narratives right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's causing people to brainwash. I'll give you an mm -hmm. example. Um, I was in the elevator yesterday. I was actually waiting for the elevator yesterday at my apartment. And, you know, this older guy had a mask on and everything. And the elevator, there's a sign that says two people only at a time. And, you know, I'm kind of just like, all right, like whatever. And so the elevator comes, there's a lady inside and I'm like, do you want to come in? Like, she's like, you guys can come. No problem. She's like, I don't mind if you're three. And the old guy was just like, no, I don't think it's a good idea. Look what the sign says. So I'm like, are you sure you don't want to come? Like, we're, we're no problem. He's like, no, it's probably not a good idea. So the door closes. I look at the lady and she's just like, man, people get driven by fear so easily. And I'm like, that's because they watch the news. Right. And it just proved to me that the psychology over the last 14 months, unfortunately, has mm -hmm. taken the freedoms, responsibilities of people totally away. Yeah, it's externalized. Your critical thinking has now become an external force that's telling you how to behave. Like in the natural world, there's a, um, there's a little insect that likes to take over certain um, beetles and... Um, and basically zombifies it's like a uh, it's like a, a type of i forget what exactly it is but basically zombifies the insect it kills it and then it becomes in control of its nervous system even though the bug is dead it can still move it around like a little zombie i mean i'm not an expert in that but it sounds like it's <laughs> either a, a black widow or a scorpion right no no, no no it's like an actual like little um i think it's like a little uh, a worm or a virus type thing that will literally in, in take over the insect and then basically it it dies, but it can still move the body because it's able to take over its nervous system and it's able to move right. its limbs. So you could see these little things moving, but they're just dead. And it just, there's a thing inside of telling it how to move. So that's how I see it. It's like, you're, you're not living anymore because to live is to be able to make your own decisions. It's to be able to have the ability to choose what you want to do with each step. But now, no, you can't go here. You can't go there. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't see this person. You can't see that person. You can only do this when we tell you to do this. I think, I think there's also been a pretty big resistance to it because people are actually starting to realize that. Yeah, yeah. And I what, hope that trend continues. And I hope so too, because what, what, what a lot of people are starting to realize is, you know, 
the government is literally taking away people's freedoms away. And um, I, again, I, I just wanted to bring this up just to give you an example as to how easy psychology yeah. can be manipulated in the markets. And we're seeing it now too. Always in the, uh, it's always in the name of your safety. It, exactly. Or in the terms of market, it's like, how do I get rich quick? Yeah. And that's driving probably 85% of the behavior right now. And the perfect example, and I hate to talk about it again, but it is something to be talked about because if this continues, this could actually send the market much lower than mm -hmm. people think. And that's AMC, that's GameStop, that's all these meme stocks that the media, believe it or not, if you watch CNBC throughout the day, continues to pump it. Yeah. Whether we, you know, whether you agree with that or not, but it just shows you that TV outlets have an agenda, they know what they're saying, and they're going to destroy people later on. It's funny it's, because we know we know that we know that those telling retail people to go into those things to continue to go in towards that stuff. We both know that it's not advantageous for most retail people. It doesn't benefit you long term. It doesn't benefit you as an investor. It won't benefit most retail people. Period. But yet CNBC and like, why do you keep pushing this stuff? Oh, I get it. It's probably because maybe you like the fact that they're deviated, that they're focusing on things that you guys don't care about, that institutions don't really care about because they can just keep doing whatever the hell they want. I think it's also the greater fool theory, right? Yeah. Like people keep buying the stock and they're just like, it's going to continue to grow up. I know. I, 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 people were, I, I just heard people during this week talking, like hitting me up and I was going around and talking like, Nick, I think I'm, I'm buying AMC again. I'm going to try to write this one back out. Guys, I don't know what to say anymore with these things because for me, it's, you, I see these things. It, it's, it's too irrational. So it's like, I, even if I wanted to, it's like, I don't know how you, you there's no foundation to base any logic on. So it's like, I, I'd rather not just not touch it, period. That too, but it also it's also creating a lot of intensified speculation. Mm -hmm. And right now, you probably have hedge funds doing what happened, you know, back in March that are on margin that are probably getting blown up. So, in a way, it's an interesting phenomenon because it's like you know the little guy versus like Wall Street. So it's kind of cool to see how an entire dynamic, generation yeah. is trying to wipe out hedge funds for sort of the occupy wall street movement that we're seeing and but, they're doing it with the weirdest stocks and probably the some of the least known institutions exactly and that's that's where things kind of get lost is okay yeah. when this party is over what happens to the actual market when all the economic indicators are pointing signs to possible recession in the yeah. next 12 to 18 months um these are things that continue to be ignored right so what I found interesting this week, though, is like you said, the number of people reaching out and saying, hey, did you participate or did you trade AMC? It's that almost oh. kicking in again. Like they, they, yeah. it, it hasn't ex it, it hasn't ran out. Like they still somehow still find uh, that 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 fierce. But I think it's because like, so many people are brand new to the space that even though it's been a year and it's occurred twice already, they still seem to still have that FOMO kicking hot inside of them. Like they just want to make that money, especially as things are about to go back to normal, very no more, um, no more free money. Well, it's coming to an end soon. So like, I feel like this is the last little push they're, they're feeling inside of them to try to get as much money as well, possible. And, 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 and that's just a gambler's mindset. Yeah, of course. 100%. I don't, I don't, I don't like gambling. Like don't get no. me wrong. When AMC wrote up back in, you know, February, January, February, I, I did buy some call options because you know, the, the, the chart was screaming, okay, this thing's going to break out here too. 
But, you know, if you're an advisor and I talk to a lot of them, a lot of them are buying, a lot of them are actually writing calls because the premiums were going from $8 to $14. So it's just cash that's coming into their account for their clients. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's mm. probably the smartest thing to do. Like when you see a movement like that in the market, the best thing you can do is when it's gone up so much, you always take the contrarian side, mm -hmm. but on the safer side through options, right? You never want to go naked short a stock, especially AMC, the way it's been rallying. You'll, you'll definitely get blown up. That's why I just stay away from it, yeah. you know? So um, what I've also seen, and I think you'll, you've also picked up on it really quickly, is the jobs, particularly in Canada, the jobs numbers are being are terrible. Yeah, we're, um, at, we're unemployment's above 8%. Yeah, and we've got about, I think last month in May, Canada lost like something close to 68 or 70,000 jobs. Those are jobs that are not going to come back. No. And you could see it too, especially with restaurants reopening in Montreal. Yeah. Like they're having a hard time hiring yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. And so what this is creating is a total dependence on the government while also encouraging people to one, be lazy and not actually be producers. So America's actually fared pretty well. The jobs numbers, again, I don't trust those numbers all the time, no. but at least they give you a trend into what's happening. I know the US added 560,000 jobs. Yeah. Which they were is still low compared to the expectation that they were exactly, they wanted, yeah. Exactly. So there's something going on there. Now, I'm always skeptical about the labor market numbers because- Things have changed. We're in a sort of an influencer economy, if you will, or like the content creator economy. So maybe that's not being factored in and maybe mm -hmm. they're, they're omitting, you know, production that's coming out of that, those spaces. So yeah. there's um, also, there was a quick, there's a, there was this cool theory that I read that. Um, so this is, um, I forget which he has some sort of platform. He does a lot of macro research and he was talking about, so he was on Kiko news and he was talking about how he thinks that this whole, labor issue we're seeing is part of the underlying desire of some of the government in order to cause uh, wage inflation, because this is a direct way for businesses to be like, nobody wants to cut, nobody wants to work at these prices. If I need people, the only way I'm going to get people is by increasing the wages. So it's like an indirect way to cause price and uh, wage inflation in the market to get prices up for people to have more money from their perspective, because that's what they want, you know, because since they desire the $15 minimum wage and stuff like that, without directly forcing it, you could indirectly force the market to do it by causing this labor problem. Because then businesses, if you really want employees, and you need them. Well, guess what? The only way you're going to get them is if you give them more money or else you're just not going to get them. But, but here's the question, who bears the cost at the end of the day? Of course, the taxpayers. Well, the consumer as well. Well, right? yeah, yeah. And that too. 100%. But so, the, 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 in and out, at the end of the day, the, the taxpayer is the consumer because the market is based on the, that dynamic. Because then you're going to have, and that kicks into more inflation. So that's why the inflationary fear is an issue. And then if you have, you know, all this lack of jobs, and then that means that you have, but yet all this money is being printed and more people have, certain groups of people have more money. Then you have these bottlenecks and the production issue is a huge thing in North America. North America. The, the amount of consumption that we're going to have relative to the amount of production is it doesn't match. I think so it's almost like three to one right now. Yeah. We're going to have to, all our consumption is going to have to come by from China because we have to consume more and more from there, which is only going to decrease the value of our own economy here because we're now an external consumer that doesn't produce any of their own goods. Yeah. And China is actually the real winner here, believe it or not. And, and most people, most people don't want to say that. You they know? are. And, Anyway, we'll, Every we'll, metric we'll, we'll talk about COVID in a second, but I just want to, we'll, we'll continue this talk about, you know, how 
if Canada doesn't figure out a way to get more people back into the workforce, or at least encourage some kind of production or producers mentality, like there's, there's going to be some really rough years for a good portion of the population. I'm not saying everybody, like there's definitely a good group of people that are making a ton of money right now yeah. doing really well, which is great. Um, but that, you know, that 80% that is just like, okay, I'm just going to live off the government. Like they're going to be in for a very rude awakening soon, yeah. especially when the next tax bill comes and they say, Hey, you have to pay this sir back, you know, even though our prime minister said, no, it's fine. You don't have to pay it back. There's going to be consequences. And yeah. if people don't see that now, they're not going to see it until it actually hits them where it hurts. And that's their wallet. Right. So plus that um, money, that money, it's not even a lot of money anyway, with the inflation kicking hot the way it is and everything that the amount of $2,000 a month is not a lot of money anymore. It's, I mean, uh, I mean it's, it was, it was okay. It was survivable before, but the longer this lasts, the, the harder it's going to be even to survive on that type of income. Yeah. And I'll, I'll give you an example right now. I, I go to this you know, grocery store that's got like probably the best fruits I've ever had. Um, they've got a very good selection. It, if you look outside, you'd be like, Hey, like, why would you go shopping in this, mm. you know, hole in the wall? It looks like absolute dog crap. Um, great stuff. But I was talking to the owner and I go, your prices have gone up. He's like, yeah. He's like the transportation mm -hmm. to ship them, to store them is up 15%. Yeah. So the same, let's say a container of sliced mangoes, which I was paying about, you know, $8.99 about a year ago, those same mangoes are about 14 bucks now. Yeah. So I was leaving that place probably with like, you know, 10 items paying about $80. Now I'm leaving with 10 items paying about, you know, close to 65. So it's like, it's it's getting it's it, it's going to it's going to kick in really soon. Yeah. Do you believe I, the whole transitory thing? I don't believe it. Uh, I I part partial partial exactly part of the economy. I agree, but I think a lot of the other variables I don't agree with because they they look at they look at things purely through numbers and not from the market's perspective. That's a lot thing. of economists. They, they 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 exclude the psychological. Yes, exactly. Yeah, huge. So that's why they're. That's why I think that they're very bad at forward-looking dynamics in the market. For more, a lot of economists, especially labor economists and Keynesian economists, because they look at numbers directly. They'll wait for the numbers to come out. Then they'll take the numbers. They'll read it, and then they'll be like, "Okay, well, I think this is going to happen. This happened." Whereas people like us and typical macro strategists who also love economics. They look at it from a market. What is the market telling me? How are people behaving right now? What are the numbers? What are the technicals? What are the different correlating variables? What's gold at? What's the interest rates at? How are institutions behaving? Uh, how is a capital flowing externally, internally? What's exports? What's the import? How's the labor market? And we're looking at this live. And then this is what we're, we're speculating on. Whereas them is just, they wait. They wait, then they get their numbers, and then they try to speculate, but without looking at the market. It's, it's, it's too, um, I find it's too... Like, it's like it's two two dimensional their analysis. Um, I mean, this is this is what everyone's talking about. It's like, do you think it's transitory or not? You know, and it's just like, well, dude, just look at your grocery prices. Look at your basic food prices. I guarantee you, the people going to restaurants now are seeing a price increase. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, whether or not this persists for a while, that'll depend. I think it'll also depend when the Bank of Canada decides to raise rates. Yeah, um, that should be because when that too. happens, that'll kick off the recession. But yeah. I, I still think we're about maybe 12 to 18 months away from that. Mm -hmm. um, 
you're starting to see it in the housing market. It's slowing down. Yeah, Supply exactly. Is tightening. Last month it was down uh, sales. I think I saw Canada was down 15% already. So, you know, after being up 30% for the year, now it's coming back down. I mean, this is just how economics and finance works. There's always You're drying a- out the market anyway. Like there's, there's, it's not like there's an infinite amount of capital in the market. There's only so many people that were looking to buy houses. You brought it down to zero. You created a floodgate where everybody rushed in to try to borrow as much as the, capital the as possible. The FOMO of course, speaking. 100%. And the funniest part of it is you look at central banks and all that, and they're talking a bit, they're shocked about how the real estate market is acting like this. How are you shocked? A 20-year-old knew this was going to happen when you do this, you lower interest rates to zero. We knew, but again, this this validates the thing we were just saying, where we can see the psychology of markets, and somehow they're incapable of seeing that. So I don't know if I don't know if it's really just that. I want to I want to be careful what I say here because this could get me in a lot of trouble. I don't think I don't think they they're stupid. I think they know what's going on. See, there's that's the that's the most but, interesting but, debate. But, is yeah, but 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 because because there's no facts or evidence to suggest that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come off as sounding like a conspiracy theorist when I say this. But I, I think you have to also realize like when stuff like this happens, when the numbers start pointing into one direction, you have to anticipate it with 60% of the available information. That's just investing, right? It's the same thing when people are buying Doge. What piece of information do they have besides Elon Musk's tweeting about it? That's the hundred percent information. Okay, but, bye. Like, by the no, way, side note, I, did I, you... I, I'm joking, obviously, but <laughs> did you, did you hear what happened with Elon Musk and the anonymous? I saw it this morning, but you tell, saw that? Tell, tell, okay. tell, the, tell the listeners. So this is interesting. Okay. So this is the psychology effect. So this is in, funny. So, so anonymous has been a thing for a couple of years now where anonymous comes out, tries to go after centralized forces or specific political people, organizations that are, that go against the common man and the people. At least that's the intent. They, they break the unwritten rules. basically. Exactly. You know, so they do it, they do it through their videos, anonymous. They have that, the mask kind of like the V for Vendetta style. And basically, he came out, they came out with one specifically related with Elon Musk. So this was crazy. So he starts talking about Elon Musk now appears to, who built a brand on being a man of the people, an intelligent innovator. Then that all Sounds of a like sudden, Robin Hood. apparently now they're calling him a narcissistic, uh, wealthy man who seems to only care about himself, doesn't care about the common man. Apparently, um, Tesla is actually not even his own creation. This is what they're saying. And that it was created by two other guys that he bought out and just bought it. So it's not even his creation. So that was another crazy thing. I didn't go into deeper into that. So I don't know the details of that one. Uh, and basically just going after Elon, talking about how you have become an enemy of the people. You've hurt countless retail investors by manipulating and playing with their head about Dogecoin and Bitcoin and messing with people like that, which hurt a lot of retail people. And so it was a it was an interesting five minute video just, anonymous saying, you know, to be careful to Elon Musk. So, so, so I, I, I want to be, and I, I, I saw it, someone sent it to me this morning and I, I watched it and I was just like, okay, this is interesting because mm-hmm. usually when anonymous does say stuff, there's usually some portion of it being true. Now, again, I sound like I'm conspiratorial, but again, it's about anticipating stuff. And I'll get That's to speculation. Something. That's exactly. what speculating is. I'll get to something in a second with regards to speculation, but um, they called him a narcissist, which I found was pretty interesting. Um, and if you actually do look at the last sort of six months of Tesla, 
when, when they announced that, Hey, we're accepting Bitcoin. We have Bitcoin on our balance sheet. Well, what happened? The FOMO starts kicking in. Everyone just yeah. says like, buy, 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 buy. And it just keeps going up, keeps going up. And then last quarter or last month, they came out and they said they didn't, they, they missed expectations on the number of cars they produced, but we also had to get Bitcoin off our balance sheet. I don't understand how that's not market manipulation. Yeah. They, he mentioned that anonymous. Uh, he, he even said, he goes, he go, he said, um, because of the central banks, the central government, he thinks that because Elon, which majority of his revenues come from subsidies from the government that they, he sells out to other companies. He even mentioned in the video, he goes, Elon doesn't even make money off his cars. No. Most of the revenues come off. Most of the revenues come off of the fact that they sell subsidized credits to other companies. And that's how they make a lot of the revenues. He even mentioned government the, subsidies. Exactly. And he even mentioned, he goes, uh, he, well, he said it, this is more speculation because again, I can't validate this. He goes, um, he thinks that the only reason why he reversed his whole uh, perspective on Bitcoin is because in order to maintain those subsidies from the government, the government probably put pressure on him. Again, I don't know. I'm just saying it, it's not a it's not an extremely out of impossible scenario. It's very much because we know that the government and all these things that they, they, they want to control the market a little more. So it is very much a plausible scenario. How real? I have no idea. That's for due diligence and so. Further. So we're we're gonna wait for all of the facts to come out. Exactly. But I think the important thing that you're pointing out here is sort of the way you and I think is when we see bits and pieces of these things come out, we don't um, automatically just say, "Hey, this is true." No, yeah. like this is absolutely true. He's he's a narcissist. Like no, you look at that information, you see it, and you're like, "Hey, there's something there." Yeah. Let's wait. I'm not going to go out of my way to figure that out. I'm just going to keep it in the back of my mind to say, okay, the crypto market is just probably, I think it's about to enter a dark winter mm -hmm. for, for maybe the next like 12 months. I mean, the technicals, a look, the technicals support it. You have, you said you had it right at a gap at a 24K mark. Yeah. Even Grumez supports that same thesis. And if you look at just the overall, like, Florian. yeah, exactly. And if you look at just the overall, like, um, momentum of the crypto space it seems to be slowing down and building a more of a negative momentum not that it can recover or not that it can go to 100k it's just that temporarily for now short term exactly you have that weight right now that seems to be going more in the negative direction which lines up with the possible gap closure of the 24k which can then fall in line with at least a year or two of the dark winter so I, 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 again, I think that's coming in terms of crypto, but the important takeaway from the whole Elon thing is just a large group of retail investors are just piggybacking off that idea. Yeah. And there's a great, um, there's a great uh, portfolio manager who runs a, it's called the Institute of Portfolio Management. His name's Anton Creel. I would love to get him on the podcast, but that guy is just an absolute genius, like trading wizard. Um, he, he hosts webinars. And on these webinars, and I've attended the last like three and they're very interesting. And then you can, you know, you pay like a certain fee to join his, you know, program, but this guy's a professional out of all the retail investing BS stock pumpers, all this shit that's out there. This guy is, is legit. And the reason I say this is because him and his team have probably close to a hundred to 120 years of investment banking experience. Anton Creel comes from JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. Like he's worked at the trading desk and what he's done. And I, and I love this about what he's doing is he's taking all that knowledge and just saying all of that shit that's on social media. It's all, he calls it social media charlatans. I love that term. 
because that's exactly what this is. And it's the psychology that's broken right now because the, the most common question that you and I probably get from people is, hey, what do you think about this stock? What do you think about AMC? What do you think about Ford? I'm like, what do you know about the company? What do you know about the space? Why are you asking me this question? And some people that turns them off because they're just like, hey, this guy's being an asshole. And I'm genuinely not, but it's just, I, I'm, I'm trying to get people to think a little bit like at a higher level, but this whole piggybacking off social media, off ideas, buy my signals, like it's not going to end well. It might do well for like, it's been doing well for the last, you know, 18 months since, since the bottom in April of last year. When, well, because you've had the government there to support that. Exactly. But when, 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 when this bear market hits, like I, it's just going to be incredible to see how many people are left trying to promote this stuff. And then crypto market ends up blowing up. There's I'm so much because there's so much risk in the market right now that the moment you really create a deep rooted fear on a conscious level, not, not where people are thinking, but I'm not sure the moment the market really feels that there is that risk is not is not uh, is not it should not be the focus of the pursuit anymore. There's so many things that are you have R real risk, estate, you have crypto, you risk have, management. You mean right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's it's the, the moment you really put out there that there that you need to deleverage your risk. Pooh, there's too many things out there that could be susceptible to the downside. Too much. And then you have the margin calls, you have the housing market, you have the crypto space, you have the tech space, you have, pff, you have zero interest rates, you have inflation kicking hot, high unemployment numbers, small and medium businesses still struggling. Man, there's so many variables. It's insane. Glo um, bigger government, more taxation, like more government spending. Biden wants to increase it to $6 trillion budget annual, and it was $4 trillion before. In uh, infrastructure, and I say that with quotations, infrastructure. It's not even going to infrastructure. And the funniest <laughs> part is, remember how a year ago, I think, what was it? Like almost a year ago, we even had an episode. We talked about infrastructure because if you want to build out an economy properly, you need to talk, you need to do focus on infrastructure, but, but, but not the focus on it, but, but not the infrastructure that Biden's putting. Together. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But like most of it is, these are exactly. bailouts for the States, which I, 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 again, if you, if you say this publicly to somebody who supports them, they're going to look at you like you're an idiot, which is pretty funny, but, and they want to, and a lot of the capital is going to go towards again, the Democrat States, because the Democrat States are lacking employment opportunities. So the, when you have mad, when you have bad economic environments and businesses don't want to create jobs anymore and businesses are leaving and wealthy people are leaving, if government wants to solve the labor problem, to, to lower your unemployment numbers, to drive up GDP, well, guess what? They're going to create government jobs, create government welfare dependency, and then all the really people that exist are in those environments are government employees so, so through printed money. It, it's funny. I, I've got my notes here, and like GDP was actually another thing that I wanted to talk about. Mm. Um, the actual indicator is broken. Yeah, 100%. Terrible. Like... The fact that people are still piggybacking off of that as an indicator of economic prosperity to yeah. me is a joke. Mm. So I don't know, like what, like what's the alternative? Because I, I we just presented us a, a problem. What what's the alternative now? I want to come out like let, let's brainstorm a little bit and figure out a solution. For well, this first because... thing would be is you can't you can't prioritize as your number one priority is can't be GDP because if you only focus on GDP as your primary focus, then you'll do anything 
at the means of trying to get those GDP numbers, increase the debt, print money, create government welfare jobs, whatever the case may be. Because if all you care about is GDP, all the other variables are not as significant. Right. And stimulus is tied to GDP. Growth, exactly. Because it's ridiculous. Print. Exactly. So, so definitely it can't be, it has to, GDP matters to an extent. It does because that's what indicates people spending on goods and services. So there is value there. It just can't be the primary indicator that all oh, we care about. And secondly, we can't prioritize, we can't focus on employment as though it's some sort of controllable factor because government can't act, can't behave. The only way to truly, truly solve a sustainable problem like employment, creating employment opportunities is by allowing businesses or people to take on risk and create employment opportunities. And if you don't allow that environment, well, guess what? The only way you're going to solve that from a government perspective is by them creating government welfare jobs and all that stuff and creating welfare programs to substitute the, the, so, and then that just burns all the other taxpayers, the environment. So I would say something to focus on is how many small and medium businesses are getting created. I think that would be an important indicator because that's a huge, that's huge for uh, new employment opportunities. And most of the, most of the middle-class and poor people, immigrants too, when they come in, they oftentimes start their own little business. Cause I would also kind of reduce the weight of consumption because i know gdp mm -hmm. the consumption Ex is part of that calculation exactly. but i would probably adjust that because that doesn't necessarily mean everything is growing no it just means you're spending right because at the end of the day the consumer controls the economy in terms of growth mm -hmm. but in terms of what they're able to keep and invest that number should be tracked. Okay. How do you take that number and move it into number? Like you said, number of new businesses that are created. Yeah. Because now there's no excuse for that. We could start a Shopify business literally tomorrow or today, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, it, it'll cost a little bit, maybe five grand, 10 grand, whatever. It's still a startup cost. 10 grand. I mean, now is like really nothing, but you know, that is, that should be tracked. And if anybody could do that properly, I mean, Shopify could kind of lead that GDP, uh, you know, revolution to, 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 to figure out how we to could. better it, calculate it. It's definitely something we need to focus on to see, to be able to understand, are we growing? Because all we have right now, if you look at it from, if you look at it from market perspective, you have monopolies that are expanding like crazy government Oligopoly. getting bigger, small. Yeah. And too. small and medium businesses are struggling. Like, these variables from a market perspective are bad because this is only this is plus with the inflationary and the high right, the high cost of things occurring and everything. Small and medium businesses are the ones that are going to struggle the most. If you're a big company, you don't care if you have to start paying fifteen dollars an hour because your little your competitors can't pay that. So to you, if it means temporarily destroying your profit margin just a bit to destroy competition, okay, so what? Because then all the consumers that would typically go to your competition eventually comes back to you and then that compensate for your lack of profit margin. So, you know, so it's like, we're definitely not gaining anything by creating this environment right now. So definitely, I would say that focusing on small and medium businesses as a metric would be an important one. Uh, I would also say that um, banks, Having a lot of smaller community banks rather than large central banks that care that are so profit hungry because then they're willing to send a lot of their own money externally rather than keeping money locally to reinvest into the communities and like small and medium businesses because you want that. If you want small businesses to thrive, they need to be able to get loans. So you need more community banks and we don't have that. Like for example, Canada, you only have a handful of banks. Right, but I also think that's because they, they, they want to protect... Um... They want to protect liquidity 
in like the lending as well. Yeah, because... but that but but that's a symptom of the the economic system we have from the the control of the interest rates, all the money printing, all that stuff. So if you want, if you're gonna do a lot of bad things, the only way to make sure to mitigate those those problems is by maintaining control over it. Well, here here's and I, I like the idea. I think it's great, and I, I don't want to be a pacifist. But here's what I think. Here's why I think that won't happen in Canada. Every regional bank that has been created that's been successful in the U.S. has either been acquired or is an, a, subsidy, a subsidy division of one of the major banks. Mm. Like Vegas, for example, had City Bank. Uh, uh, what's that? What's that bank called? They have it. They have it in. Uh, I, I've seen it at like the Vegas Vegas Golden Knights games. Anyway, one of their banks. It was there for like two years. It was like oh, City National Bank. It's not City Group. It's City National Bank. It's a regional bank, and then. Last year, there was an ad like on the board that said a division of RBC. Mm. So it's like you you could create all these regional banks, but it's, you know, they have so much cash, man. They make so much money off of like trading and investing and all these like other markets that it's it's almost impossible to, to kind of keep track of that. But it's, I find it central when we have when you have only it a select few, it just centralizes everybody's money towards the big banks who are literally go hand in hand with the government. So it's like basically whatever the government wants, the central banks will do and that trickles down. So if they want money to go externally flow into emerging markets rather than to communities, well, all the little regional banks are going to follow and allocate capital towards the same principles. But you want money to stay local. You want money to re reinvest. That's why in Canada, for example, like for example, we say in North America, a lot of large capital is now flowing to uh, emerging markets and externally. We have less capital flowing into our own country. So that means that we're going to become dependent on some sort of form of capital. And that's why China is here giving money to Canada. Here, take our money because Saudi you guys have nobody Arabia else. Oil too, right? Yeah, you guys have nobody else. So here, take our money. That's why I, I love Alberta for this reason because there's so much potential there. All Alberta, of Canada would have so all, much all of Canada, but Alberta specifically, there's, there's been a bit of a renaissance with like resources and like, you know, helium, natural gas, oil, obviously. And they, there's just been this like tarnished image of like oil being, you know, this dirty like thing. Okay. Like how are you going to fly? You need fuel, right? Like people want to travel the same people talking about, Hey, we need to get rid of pipelines or hopping on planes, going to Mexico and partying. Mm -hmm. Well, you're, how did you get there? You know, and there was actually data that even said it, if you shut down a pipeline, okay, instead of transporting oil through a pipeline and transporting it on a train, the train emits two times the amount of CO2 mm -hmm. on its way versus a pipeline, which keeps mm -hmm. it serenade, like insulated. And then it mm -hmm. just goes freely. So like, this is a debate right now. That's just been going on on both sides of the aisle for whatever reason, People on the left just hate pipelines. And what they don't realize is that you get rid of those, you're going to have more pollution yeah. and you're creating another problem, which is a total lack of dependence on your own resources. And this is what Canada needs to fix, I think, right now for the next like 10 years, or we're going to be so dependent on China, Saudi yeah. Arabia. It's, 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 it's not good. No. It's really not good for the future of Canada, I don't think. Because it, it weakens our currency. And if it weakens our currency, it means that as a, a consumer, we have less power. And you power as a consumer is good because that means you have more opportunities. You have better bang for your buck. That was what capitalism is. You know, It's about strengthening the power of the consumer and allowing the relationship between businesses and consumers to thrive. Instead, now we have an environment where big daddy government 
seems to decide every little factor. And then however the consumer and business can thrive within their dynamics and their rules and their regulations, their laws and everything they want that comes that, you know, that that's secondary. I think, I think Montreal too wanted to implement a tax per mile or tax yeah. per kilometer gas, like ta- like gas tax or something. Yeah, exactly. So they want to encourage people to like not drive a car and just like sit at home. So it's like, I mean, guys, there's, there's, there's better ways to go about this. The, the, you know, what's the saddest part I find is like, for example, you know, like how you, you know, the, the new, the guy that's running for uh, mayor of Montreal, uh, Cordaire. Yeah. Denny Cordaire. Yeah. So, so like we talk about it, you see it. There's so many social economic problems. There's so many problems, but yet somehow the only thing journalists CTV news, global news, and this guy Cordaire, the only thing they seem to be able to really talk about is nonsense. He's now they're talking about how he wants to ban alcohol after eight o'clock in parks. Okay. I get it. It's not a big deal. I don't care. But of all the things you could be talking about, that's what you want to talk about. Are you serious right now? So many problems. And that's what you're running on. Like, it's becoming a show. These guys are string. These older people are, that are living this fairy tale world are are stringing us along for how long it's however long it's going to last down this path of nonsense where we just keep digging our hole, especially for the younger people. And then they're going to move aside, and then we're going to come in, and we're going to be like, "Holy shit, we have a big ass hole to figure to fill up." And it's going to lead. It's going to be a lot. Of, and that's where the economic slavery thing. We're it's like the slaves, your pyramids. We're going to have to come in and we're going to have to fill up the hole that you caused. And then once we filled up that hole, then we can grow properly. It, it, you know, it's funny. It's like every year we'll, we'll get back to, uh, you know, the, the, the macro theme in a second. But every, <coughs> every, every year, it seems like there's construction happening in the same places. And they're doing it now. They've and, had how, and, how long and, to do this? And they're doing it. They're doing it right now. So it's just like, guys, like you've had 14 months to figure it out. Yeah. You, you're doing it when everybody's reopening. You're causing more traffic. The other thing too, is if you go on to Dakari right now, there's so many construction buildings. There's a hotel that they just built. There's like two condo buildings that are being put up. There's another uh, re- uh, office building that's going up. I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, who is planning this stuff? We're going to have so much congestion and they want to talk about getting more cars off the road to solve that problem. We'll stop building uh, massive complexes where the population is so densely cluster, you know what, together. It just blows my mind like that, that this is how the people are thinking. And at the end of the day, it comes down to, like you said, there's, there's profits to be made. People are going to take advantage of it. But, you know, I, I just, Honestly, Montreal, they want to talk about being a green city. They got to stop building on top of things that are already congested with traffic. And I find that's the same thing in some other major U.S. cities that have uh, those problems. L.A., Philadelphia, New York, right? Mm -hmm. That's why everyone's going to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) They they say, look at migration patterns. Usually they're always dictated by economic variables. You have Cali, Cali, New York. Two of the biggest states struggling economically. Uh, a lot of the bailout monies have been gone going to those states. Massive business problems, inflationary problems. You name it, they're struggling in those states. And everybody left to go to Florida and Texas. And the, re- the primary reasons is how the government is behaving within the economy. That is the input that's driving people out. But yet somehow that's a conspiracy. But it's not. It's just reality. 
I don't know how much more valid. I don't know to what point people are going to be like, finally, okay, now it makes sense. I finally see what you see. Damn. It's always, but it's always, it's always too late. Like when that yeah. happens, it's too late. Cause human nature is just like, well, here we go again. Like, how did we get here type thing? And you know, I, again, I, I try to be optimistic too. And I try to like, think of like possible solutions, but well, that's the only way for us to be optimistic is because even, even being as an investor, if, if you have no optimism, it's impossible to make money because then you, you can't, you, you're not, you, you see no upside in anything. Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to touch two more topics here. Um, cause I know we've been talking a lot about sort of the world and like where we're at and like our city and Canada, us, whatever. Um, the, the S and P 500 right now, and this is just a total disconnect from fundamentals, kind of how like there's a whole total disconnect between people's common sense and things mm -hmm. that are happening. But the S and P, the S and P right now is trading at about 35 times PE earnings mm -hmm. or forward earnings of next year. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, when is this massive pullback going to come? And when is it going to scare the market? Right? So I saw an Instagram post today and it was like a former porn star. Oh yeah. Lana Rhodes posting a picture of herself in a bikini holding the intelligent investor. Yeah. Talking I about saw that coin. talking, promoting this new, I'll call it a shit coin. Cause that's yeah. what it is at the end of the day. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my God. It's a pump and dump. The, the, no, no, but this is like peak psychology yeah. bubble behavior. Like 12 months from now, they're the, the same people that are promoting these shit coins are not going to be talking about investing. No, they're going to be scared out of the market. And it's going to probably uh, scare out a lot of investors. And there's mm. going to be a period of stagnation, both from an economic standpoint, I think from the stock market standpoint as well. Yeah. So I don't know. You saw that post, right? Yeah. What did you think? <laughs> it's like the tale they said. It's like that tale where, um, but was it a hundred years ago? There's a tale about a guy in Wall Street, or was it Wall Street going? He's in it. He's walking down the street and he gets. He's going to get his shoes shined. And there's this little boy, you know, back then you don't have any means to talk about it. There's a little boy and he's shoe shining, he's shining shoes. And he's asking people, what stocks are you buying? And, then, and he goes, when the smallest of people start talking about stocks and telling you what to buy, you know that you've reached a peak that's a little exaggerated. Who, who is Lana Rhodes? What does she know? How, why, why, how is she involved in finance? So somehow people are now going to be a lot like, you know, they say sex sells. You sex should not be selling when it comes to investments. It, 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 there's no correlation of any kind. You should not be sexually led into an investment. That doesn't make any sense. That that, that that baffles any type of investment logic. But yet somehow that's how they see that as an opportunity. And if that works, that's an issue. It doesn't make sense because there's no what. How does that up? How how do you see an upside from somebody selling you something, holding up which is a that's propaganda. Freaking holding the intelligent investor. That's just <laughs> propaganda. That's nonsense. Uh, we, we don't want to bash on people like, and they're like, uh, oh, no, no, no this comes up, but, but, but hold on. This comes off as so cynical, but it's just like, and again, I, I don't want to judge people, but like when you have somebody and good for her, she's probably making a shitload of money right now, of which is great. And good for her. She, she believes in capitalism. She's using the system. Great. We love that. But when you have somebody who probably doesn't even know what a beta of a stock is mm. or a cap M table 
for that matter, starts talking to you about an altcoin to try to, you know, pump up. Like, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, it's a deregulated market. At what point do the, does the SEC come in? At what point does the government say, okay, this is enough? And we probably think that, I, and honestly, I think they will because the government very has much that mindset of anytime you give them a reason to become the protector, the hero, to take care of the consumer, you give them an inch, they'll take it. And that is just validation that they're going to be like, we need to protect consumers. We need to make sure people are not losing money. Poor people are getting poorer and poorer. We, we need to make sure we protect their capital as much as possible. And things like this is a threat to the small man. So government gives them, like if we want crypto to thrive, I mean, again, because I, I believe in free markets, I, I, I would love to see you know, that, that world thrive because we'd be able to build it out much more efficiently if we did it properly. I'm, I'm still bullish on crypto, by the way. Yes. Like specific projects that actually have utility. And that's the thing. Long term. A lot of the issue now is not people focusing their capital or their investments on utility. They're just focusing on price action and whatever hype can get the money. And I think that just leads down a path where you have rather than allocating productive capital towards productive utility, we're allocating useless money to useless nonsense that produces nothing. So I still think there's legs in this mania, unfortunately, just because this yeah. is just how well, it, yeah. it, it can, it, it continues. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to ask me what inning we're in right now, uh, of this mania, I'd say we're close to like the sixth inning right now. Maybe on the, how, how, on the ba baseball, baseball terms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like how many innings are there in total? There's, there's nine innings. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, two thirds of the way. Two, two thirds. Okay, okay, okay. So out of nine innings, I think we're kind of in that sixth, bottom of the sixth. Which makes sense because I would say you can give it another year, year and a half. Well, there's also just like, I think there's about $4.5 trillion of liquidity just waiting to be used. That, that, yeah, needs, to go, that, that, that needs to go somewhere. Yeah. It's not true. just going to sit there idly. Like that's going to be put to work. Plus you I have would, the infrastructure plan that's, about to, that, that's trying to be figured out. You still have QE going on. You have the savings. I think that it's going to be, you know, like, I think there's going to be the point where we're going to have to be like, okay, employment's an issue. Businesses are not reopening properly. Uh, inflation is running hot. Do we have to raise interest rates? If we raise interest rates, what's? Do you think they're going to raise interest rates? I mean, they're going to have to at some point. That's what. That's what. But the see, problem. But the problem now becomes what happens to like the inflation. Can they control that? And that's the thing is if that's if the they big, want to control it, you have dollar. to. But that's the thing. If they want, let's say inflation really becomes an issue in the short term. If to a, te a type of solution is raising interest rates, it cools things down. You mean if it uh, if it prolongs? Yeah. But not, yeah, not in the short, because in the short term, we're already seeing it. Yeah, it's exactly. But it could continue because if it maintains at this fourth, like, I mean, from their CPI indicator, which again, that's another metric that we know is not a, is not a metric you should focus on entirely. Somewhat, some, somewhat obsolete when you've got exactly. lumber prices up 30% and then CPI is like, oh, it's only up 2%. Like, no, it's, it's way higher than that. There's no, and price. that's another thing I think we should look at would be able to be something like if you look at the middle class. If you look at uh, the poor people, 
you should create a basket of goods that typical poor people buy, a basket of goods that typical middle-class people buy, a basket of goods that typical wealthy people buy, and you should be able to classify your, your inflation based on those classification of baskets. Because if you say CPI is 3%, and let's say it only really applies to the wealthy people based on their goods. And then the poor people who are buying, who only really focus on little things like food and necessities, and those things are running much hotter than other things, they may be feeling inflation far worse than the wealthier people. So if we could find a way to, to break up the different baskets based on the type of uh, social economic status you're in, we'd be able to have a better indicator of who's being hit the hardest by inflation also. See, I like that idea, but then you're going to have extreme leftists say that that's discrimination. <laughs> I wouldn't even be surprised. <laughs> I'm just, I, I got, I think, I, I think dude, it's, I, 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 no, I do. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. Um, they probably, they probably have it. It's just, it's not what, is being they don't share it. They have it. They don't share that if that's what it is. Yeah. Right. Because they they don't want to. You know, they talk about people's race to kind of discriminate against people, mm -hmm. but as soon as you talk about socioeconomic levels, they don't want to talk about that. So I feel like that is that's also where the issue is. It's like okay, maybe the government should do a much better job. Maybe not controlling, but here's just an idea. How do you create mm -hmm. more incentives to get people from the bottom and the middle class into the upper class? Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Unfortunately, society doesn't work like that because there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are obsessed with power. Mm -hmm. And that's the protectionist the market. Yeah. I hate to say it. Like this just this is just the reality of the situation. People at the top who have no business being there are just obsessed with power, and that's mm -hmm. why they're still there. And that see, that's that's another issue in economics. Because people forget that an economy is not just one generation. An economy is countless generations before us in the present and many more to come after us. So the foundation of economy needs to be built in a way that resources can flow and continue to flow and don't get stuck in one area and don't get stuck or protected by one class of people. So now what you have with the way the government's acting, the banks, uh, the QE and everything is they're just prioritizing the wealth of those that have the wealth and they're inflating it like crazy. Nobody else now is going to be able to really have access to that wealth because it's it, it, too hard to get access to it. And there's no ability to rotate. Like you want collapsing businesses. You want uh, collapse in the real estate market because now people who couldn't afford it before now can't afford it. And it's good for them. Sucks that you lost, that you can't, that you lost on the value of your house or whatever, but you made a bad decision. It's it, the fact is the government provided an environment where you're not educated and led you down this path. And then the consequence is not because of the market. It's because of the government's causality. You need an environment where people can take advantage of market gaps, but government doesn't want to allow it. It protects their pension funds. It, it mitigates their, their debt crisis. But by the way, just so we're clear, when you say the government incentives, we mm. don't mean that they should be controlling every aspect of people's businesses. No, what we do mean not. is maybe like provide tax incentives for people that kind of get you know, whatever, whatever threshold or, you know, milestone that they achieve, there should Hell, be. If we, if you, if you innovated the whole taxing system, you probably wouldn't even need to do that because people will be already incentived on their own and you wouldn't even need government. Yeah, but they to don't want to, they don't want to do that. They just want to continue because to tax they, people. It's easier if the incentive comes from them because then it, it makes them dependent on the government's incentives. <laughs> it's all, it's all psychology. This is why we talk about psychology. I know. And this is, this is where, um, I think the next, I would say the next six months, I would not be surprised to see a five to 10% pullback. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, I saw a technical chart there. A guy was, so this guy's Gareth. He's a huge technical guy, and he was showing how even like a couple, a lot of the tech stocks have all reached a uh, head and shoulder pattern, and they could easily have a nice pullback, which lines up with Bitcoin, and you know. So it's like there's a lot of pieces that are lining up. And from a global perspective, it seems like China's credit impulse has also turned negative. Mm, yeah, so they have, they're, um, st- they're, 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 they're having problems of their own. And unfortunately, anytime there's a ripple in the global economy, it mm-hmm. kind of shatters through ours as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, tech, tech had a great year last yeah. year, and it's been absolutely terrible this year. I would be a long-term tech investor. And if anything, the best time to buy these stocks is when that correction happens. Exactly. Because they'll actually be fairly valued at that point. And I think for the next five years, tech will actually be a great winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the short term, the cyclicals in my mind are the trade. Oil is the trade. Yeah, commodities. Um, anything, that, yeah. anything related to precious metals, even for that matter. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sitting pretty comfortably right now with a good amount of cash on the sideline mm-hmm. waiting for this pullback to happen. And I think that's sort of the investor psychology too, is like, there's going to be days where like the stock market might actually go up. It's going to be names that you've been looking at that mm-hmm. are going to go up 15, 20%. You're going to be like, fuck, why didn't I buy You got, it's, you got to be patient Yeah. because at some point this thing is going to come back down and it's going to be aggressive. It's going to scare a lot of people. And that's when you want to start buying. Mm-hmm. And this it's takes time. A sniper mindset. It's the it sniper. takes time. You want to snipe good positions. It, it's not like, hey, here's here's a porn star telling you to buy, you know, altcoin. <laughs> Here, pick it up, buy it, and then you buy it, and it crashes the next day. It's like, dude, no. Like that's 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 the psychology that needs to be changed in most people's mind if they want yeah. to invest in this market. So, um, I'll we'll leave it at this. But I will say this: I know you're not a sports fan. <laughs> The Habs are on an absolute Fire. surprise run right now. Yeah, you see right there. I've got my, 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 my. Oh, the my, cap. My, my hat right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just enjoying this, and I find we'll, we'll talk about Montreal real quickly. But if there's one thing that can unify this city after all the shit that we've been through, after, you know, the conflict with like Israel, Palestine, a few uh, last month, and then COVID, it's the Habs. <laughs> so you want to talk about sports as a unifier it's happening and mm. every game that we we're, we win they play tonight they play tomorrow every game that they win i don't know i'm not making a prediction i'm not making any predictions i'm just enjoying this right now and it's bringing a lot of people together and i don't know if you noticed that in your part of town mm. well i see everybody talking about it which makes sense it's like if you look back in the day <clears throat> Uh, whenever there were problems, even if it was just uh, look at the Roman period of time with the gladiators, whenever there were problems, if you had the Colosseum, it didn't matter what the problem was. People were focused on the, the thing that everybody enjoyed and it kind of helped unify people and alleviate their, their, the psychology of the problems that they were dealing with. So I mean, it makes sense. Great, it great example. That's a great it does. example. It goes, it goes hand in hand with what you're saying. So hundred percent. So that's pretty much it, man. I think we'll see what happens. They play game three tonight. It'll be interesting. I know you're not a sports fan, but is, I there, hope is, there, is it playoffs soon or what is it? It, it is playoffs. Oh, it is playoffs. Now. <laughs> See, I don't know nothing. See, that's how crazy Nick is. He has no idea. I, was, I have to inform him about like what's going on. I don't Nick, know it's nothing. The second about round of the playoffs. If we win this series, we're on to the Stanley Cup semifinals, which means that if we win that round, we're in the finals. Okay. Although unlikely, but I don't know. I. I oh. Uh, but who knows now with this COVID environment, you know, there's no fans. The, the, the whole vibe is different. So I feel like the, even for a there, player, there are fans, there's 2,500 showing up tonight. In Montreal. Okay. 
See, that's how clueless he is. You're smart on the psychology side, but you're not good on the sports side. I don't know nothing. But it, it's uh, but still, as a player, think about it, right? It, 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 you, you, you get used to this performance with a crowd behind you and giving you this energy, and you've taken that energy away. So you have to find like a new way to be a player because you don't is- have the same energy kicking in. It's, it's, man, this whole world is about psychology. So I think we had a lot to talk about today. Um, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Nick and I really appreciate you guys chiming in here. I know that we, we got to be a little bit better when we put out more episodes, but we're working on getting some good speakers in and, uh, yeah, give us a follow, sign up to our newsletter and we'll see you next week. Ciao guys.